Genesis chapter 32. And Jacob was left alone. And a man wrestled with him until the breaking of day. And when the man saw that he did not prevail against Jacob, he touched his hip socket. And Jacob's hip was put out of joint as he wrestled with him. And then he said, let me go, for the day is broken. But Jacob said, I will not let you go unless you bless me. And he said to him, what is your name? And he said, Jacob. Then he said, your name shall no longer be called Jacob, but Israel. For you have striven with God and with men and have prevailed. And then Jacob asked him, please tell me your name. But he said, why is it that you ask my name? And there he blessed him. So Jacob called the name of the place Peniel, saying, for I have seen God face to face, and yet my life has been delivered. The word of God. Lord, I thank you that we can be face to face with you today. And we can see very real deliverance for the very real issues we face. Not just sing empty religious songs about it, but sing life to you who are life and who does a new work in us. And we pray that even as you changed Jacob's name to Israel, there's so much more happening there. You are doing a new work to bring about life. We are claiming that we see what you're doing here. We celebrate new life today. In the name of Jesus, everybody said, amen. All right, we are going to move forward. I want you to, as you're taking your seat, you can give a little hand clap for the worship team as they're stepping off. I want you to, I have an assignment for you as you're taking your seat. Turn to your neighbor and declare something. Are you all ready for this? Say to your neighbor, God is doing a new work in you to spring forth new life. That's a big sentence, but declare it with faith. God is doing a new work in you to spring forth new life. And y'all can have a seat. Find your seat as you're saying that. God is doing a new work in you to spring forth new life. Now, raise your hand if you heard it. Raise your hand if that person preached it so good that you believe it. All right. Now, just a a brief minute if, if someone's not raising their hand. God is doing a new work in you, church, to spring forth new life. He loves life. He is life. And that's what he's doing in our midst. You know, we say Genesis is where your story begins. I pray that today, that that wouldn't just be a repeated phrase that we say from the the platform, but that you would perceive it. You'd feel it. And even more than that, that you would see that today is not the beginning of the story, but today is the beginning of a new chapter. Because you would perceive and feel that God is doing a new work in you that's springing forth new life. And I'm praying that it wouldn't just be an idea that I present to you for you to consider, but when I say it, it affirms that which you're already feeling as God continues to move in our midst. That's my trust today. We're in this new series, a new mini-series as we go through Genesis. These next several chapters, we see it as a new name. You might already know why. Because God gives Jacob a new name. Really, really powerful, huh? I got a college degree, so... I came up with that all on my own, a new name. 
But the thing about this new name thing is, is it's so much more than that. With Jacob, God is doing something on the inside of his heart. He's, he's welling something up in the inside of him that transforms the inside of him and springs forth to transform others. It's so much more than just a new name. It's, it's a new identity, a new power inside him that opens up new doors of new favor. Come on, who wants new doors opened up and new favor? Who wants Jesus to do a new work in your life? Now, you can do new works in your life that are not life-giving, even when you think they are. But when Jesus opens a door, no man can shut it. When Jesus does a new work, it doesn't matter what stands against you if 400 men stand against you. If Jesus is on your side and he is delivering you and doing a new work, nothing can stand against you. That is literally what's happening in Jacob here. I pray that today we see that not only is God doing a new work in Jacob, but also us. And it's springing forth new life, opening new doors. And I don't want to just say that. I want to show you a few peculiar things that I want to unpack from what we already just read and demonstrate that, that Jesus is really doing and has done a new work in Jacob that bears implication on the rest of his life. And I pray that you would see that for, from these, this chapter and the chapter that follows, and you would see it in your life, this chapter of your life, and have trust to move on to the new chapter of your life. So here we go. A few things that we just read that are wonderfully peculiar, okay? My mom told me that one time. She said, you're peculiar, you're wonderfully peculiar. I say that to my oldest daughter. If you all know her, you can say amen. <laughs> Something peculiar here. This isn't the first time Jacob has had an encounter with God. But this is the first time, as he says, I've seen him face to face, and yet my life is delivered. And when he leaves, he names this place of his encounter with God, Peniel, which literally means the face of of God. I believe that this is the moment of Jacob's conversion to a living God. You see, when you encounter God face to face and your life is delivered, everything changes. Everything is altered. Nothing is the same. When it really happens, it's not just the same old stuff with the same old church clothes. When you see Jesus face to face and your life is delivered by him, everything changes. Your identity changes. You change. There is no more conservative. There is no more liberal. There is no more introspective person or, or extrovert or, or no one that is defined based on their sexual urges or self-identification. There, there is no more black or white in the core of who you are. You are his. And everything that springs forth from that is what he defines and what he brings life to, lest it be death. Peniel, the face of God, it changes everything. In my life, I fought and fought and fought and fought for so long doing all sorts of relig religious work and complicated stuff to define myself, to, to make a name for myself, to, to try to get to God. And nothing could satisfy the urges of, of my soul. But when I saw God face to face in the person of Jesus Christ, it changed everything. No longer was it me just trying to fight to be a better person. 
to self-actualize myself. I saw God face to face in the very midst of my stuff, and it changed everything. When I saw him, I couldn't see women the same. Anyone say amen to that? I tried. I tried to be pure. But when I set my eyes on Jesus, and I, I was face to face with the living God, everything changed. That's what happened with Jacob. And this whole thing about me trying to fight to get to God, that leads me to this next thing that I see as peculiar in here, this, this name that God gives Jacob. It's strange. Israel literally means either, there's a tension, either he strives with God or God strives for him. I believe it's both. And here's why. Because Jacob comes to the end of himself as he strives with God. And when he's at the end of himself, his life is transformed and surrendered. And now no longer is it Jacob striving with God or striving for his own stuff in life. It is now God striving on his behalf. And, you know, that might be a simple idea, but watch, watch as the, the chapters play out following this. Everything's different. It is God striving on Jacob's behalf. It's no longer Jacob's life defined by the protection of his own scheming, his own uh, self-protections that we so often struggle with. I pray that today you too would go from striving with God or striving to please God or perform for God or do whatever in your life you think that you need to accomplish in strife. I pray that today, in Jesus' name, you would see that he is doing a new work in you. To no longer do you have to perform for anything, but you can spring forth with new life from his presence, seeing him face to face, seeing him transform you so you can see that he is striving for you. Watch what happens in Jacob's life. Don't just, don't just take my word for it that this is just a, you know, a, a different encounter with God. Watch what happens. Chapter 33, I'll start with verse 1. Jacob lifted his eyes and looked, and behold, Esau was coming. Remember his brother that wanted to murder him? Listen, though. And 400 men with him. At this point, your blood's boiling a little bit. So Jacob divided his children among Leah and Rachel and the two female servants, and he put the servants with their children in front, and then Leah with her children and Rachel and Joseph, and and last of all, verse 3, he himself went before them, bowing himself to the ground seven times until he came near to his brother. You see, if you remember from the last chapter, in in fear, hiding from his brother, he sent everyone ahead, and and he fearfully stayed behind. Now that he has had a face-to-face encounter with God and he trusts that God is striving on his behalf, he has the guts to go out in front of his family, to risk his neck. He has the humility to bow down before his brother. Verse 4, but listen what happens. But Esau ran to meet him and embraced him and fell on his neck and kissed him and they wept. That is an intimate moment, man. It's not often where you see two men falling on each other's necks, kissing and weeping. That's powerful. 
Verse 5, and when Esau lifted up his eyes and saw the women and children, he said, who are these with you? And Jacob said, the children whom God has graciously given your servant. Crazy moment, right? And what's the craziest family reunion moment you've ever had? I mean, for some reason, family reunion moments, we can remember some weird ones, right? I remember when I was 16, the first time I had seen my cousins after I got my license, I decided to take some of them on on a little joyride and started doing cookies and spinning out and doing crazy stuff. It turns out, though, um, our fun was uh, in front of the fire marshal's house at 1 a.m., and instantly, it just kind of not it wasn't so fun anymore when I was arrested for reckless driving. <laughs> and I had to go back to my stepdad, and he's, he's a lawyer, so he was kind of bailing me out a little bit. But the community service that followed wasn't as fun as the you know, five or six minutes of driving that I got to impress my cousins with. Hashtag not so impressive anymore. This moment here, though, tops all of our moments of family reunion moments combined. I mean, anytime there's a family reunion that is going to start like a murder slash war, but then it ends in two grown men embracing and kissing each other and weeping, that's a powerful moment. These two men are united by something far greater than their own best efforts. This is a supernatural demonstration that God is striving on Israel's behalf. Think of Someone you're out of favor with. I'll give you a minute to think about it. Someone who, maybe for whatever reason, maybe for good reason, doesn't think that you're their favorite person in the world. Have you ever been striving to garner favor with that person? Have you ever tried to to win them over, to, to be in better terms with them? Think about it. How has that been working for you? Imagine what would change if you stopped striving to garner favor with this person and instead entrusted yourself to the God who strives on your behalf, who can turn 400 angry, armed men into people overcome with emotion, to babies crying. This is the God who is very real and who is very here to do a new work in your life today. The scary thing that your job is is to let him, to see what he's doing and to come alongside it, to surrender to him, to see that he's doing a new work, which is a lot better than what you can do for yourself. He's doing a new work in you to spring forth new life. Just like he's doing in Jacob here. I want, to, I want to share the end of this chapter. Just puts a punctuation on Jacob. And Jacob came safely to the city, verse 18, which is called in the land of Canaan. So he is in the west of the Dead Sea now. Fast forward. Verse 20, there he erected an altar and called it El Elohe Israel. You know, the last time Jacob encountered God, he did not surrender his life to God. In fact, he built a pillar in defiance to God. Now, in this place, 
he is building an altar much like his righteous grandfather Abraham in a similar place. He's building an altar in the, in the land where he would dwell in in honor of God. Drastically different. Jacob is a new man and it's shown here in how he behaves and how he is. All of his striving to become new and to, to be a better man himself, it never amounted to anything. And that is our story altogether, is it not? But now he's different. He's been brought to the end of himself, and now he is a new man honoring God. And I love what it says here. This, this word, El Elohe Israel, means the altar of God, the God of Israel. God, the God of Israel. See, Israel is now walking tall in his new name. Church, I pray that as we encounter the enemy, as we take our land, as we put our stakes and invest in what we are to do in and from this city, that we too would walk tall in who God has distinctly called us to be. That's my prayer, not comparing to anyone else, but saying, God, this is who you are. This is how you've named me. This is where you're taking us, and I will follow you. That's what you started to see Israel do in peace. He had peace and power, and what they began to do west of the Dead Sea, where God had called them to, is they began to to dig wells and to build houses to raise their kids, and to live in God's glory. We, like Jacob, need to see what God's called us to do and to dig deep and to invest in what he's called us to do, to be his, distinctly us. We need to follow him and understand that to follow him, that means that we often change. Okay? I get to do a wedding tonight. And, you know, weddings are, marriages are a a very peculiar thing because each partner has to be able to accept the other person without trying to change that other person. And yet, if each person doesn't adjust and change and grow, the, the marriage doesn't work. So it's like, it's hard though, because it's like, I want my partner to change. I want my spouse to change, but me, I'm good already. No, it's the opposite, y'all. <laughs> Marriage sermon over, okay? That was a little free thing for you. But the thing about our relationship with God is for us to be in constant relationship with him. He doesn't change. The Bible says Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. But if we're going to be in union with him, we do have to change. It's called grow in being his. What we say here, grow in being followers of Christ, family-focused, and fishers for men. If we follow him, we are changing. If we follow him, we perceive the new work that he's doing, and we walk with him in it. Last October, I sent some things changing, and, it, and I knew something had to change. You know, I was kind of like coming to the end of myself in my own way, kind of like Jacob was in the chapter before here. I, you know, just maybe my patience was running out. And you can ask my wife, like, I wasn't super fun to be around all the time. I was on edge all the time. Uh, I felt like in a lot of things I was doing in church, I was just running into a brick wall. 
with my efforts. And as I was prayer walking in this city, walking around the springs, the river, Aquarina Springs and the river, I was, uh, I was asking God for some specific things. And I sensed God speak to me of, out of what I later knew was his scripture and the prophets. Out of Isaiah, you can go there if you have your Bible. Isaiah 43, he says this. Speaking of the new work God did amongst the Israelite people after Israel, Jacob had died, and speaking into what he was still doing in me and in us as a church. Here's what God said. Remember not the former things, verse 18 of chapter 43 of Isaiah starts with. Remember not the former things, nor consider the old things. Behold, I am doing a new thing. Now it springs forth. Do you not perceive it? I will make a way in the wilderness and rivers in the desert, says the Lord. That's a promise. That's what he was starting to do, but this question that's asked kind of tauntingly, do you perceive it? I, I wasn't really perceiving it. And yet it didn't stop God from working a new thing inside my heart and inside this church. I want to give you a little more perspective about when God spoke this word to Isaiah, and it'll help you understand what he's doing in us and a new work here. You know, this word came to Isaiah also when he was kind of at the end of himself. The Israelite people were at the end of themselves. They had begun to backslide and turn away from the living God. A thousand years or so after God changed Jacob's name to Israel, and they began to dwell in this land. And at this point, God began to do a new work and to promise them, I am going to make a way. In the wilderness. I am doing a new work already. Do you perceive it? And yet, this prophecy wouldn't be fulfilled until 400 years after Isaiah. More than 400 years. And I'll take you even, even forward to that culminating moment where this prophecy, this new work, where God is springing forth, making a way in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. It really becomes clear when in the same area, the same land, there's this seemingly unimportant conversation between one dude and one gal. Seemingly not so important people. But we know because we're reading it 2,000 years later, it's pretty important history. There's this conversation between Jesus and a woman at a well. Jesus goes up to her and says, I want some water. And she says, how would you, being a Jew, want to ask me for water? See, that's religious impropriety. You shouldn't do those things. How often is it that when, when God wants to speak deeply to your heart, we have this level of religious propriety that, that we kind of give him the, the block with, the Heisman, if you will. We kind of block him like, you know, you know, I know proper things. Well, we can know proper things, and yet the new thing of deep work, him speaking into our heart, we need to be careful to listen for. Jesus says to her, he says, if you knew the gift of God, who it is that's saying to you, give me a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. Speaking of himself in the third person, the woman said to him, sir, you have nothing to draw water with and the well is deep. Where will you get this living water? Are you greater than our father, Jacob? He gave us this well and drank and we drank from it and he drank from it himself and his sons and his livestock. 
that rhetorical question she asked, are you greater than Jacob? And how often when I'm talking to people about Jesus, they ask these rhetorical questions that sound like questions, but they're really just statements. And if they only knew the answer to the questions, they'd be amazed. She didn't perceive the new work that Jesus was doing in her, but it didn't stop Jesus. Listen to what Jesus says in response. Everyone who drinks of this water will be thirsty again. This water of this well that Jacob dug. But whoever drinks of the water that I will give him will never be thirsty again. The water that I give will become, will become in him a spring of water welling up to eternal life. You see, these words here, these are flowery religious words that have no meaning. Unless you have dared to drink then you know exactly what Jesus is talking about. Jesus is the fulfillment of everything. He is the destination of Jacob's wandering 1,500 years before this. He is the spring that's making a way in the wilderness that Isaiah saw. And he is that thing that would quench the thirst when we try to fill ourselves up with so many different things, sexually, monetarily, relationally. He is the only thing that we can drink of and never thirst again. There's no one like Jesus. And today is a new day where he is helping us to see that and giving us a new anointing to have his personhood, his glory rise up in us and spring forth from us with new power. And our job is to follow him, is to watch and to perceive it. There's no one like Jesus what he does and who he is can be spoken of forever and ever and ever. It is the gospel. First of all, what he does. Without understanding what he does that no one else can do, what you can't strive to do for yourself, what he strove to do hanging on a cross. Without what he does, there is no life. He lived the life that we should have lived. He died the death nonetheless that we should have died. And on the third day, he rose again from the dead so that he could spring forth new life to you and me and all of us. Without that, without what he does, there is nothing. But then again, who he is is amazing. Who he is is the most refreshing, glorious, mysterious, wonderful thing. Just read his words. If you read his words and you spend time with him, you can know for certain that no man thinking and imagining this perfect religion could ever even fabricate anyone like Jesus. Yeah. No, no men could get together and, and, and create someone like this that's this glorious. It's way beyond human ideas. He's better than the Constitution of the United States. He's better than any idea that anyone has ever thought of. And I know that some people say the same about Muhammad or Buddha or other things, but I don't want to be someone who just argues with people, but all I can say is, I dare you to drink. Yeah. I just dare you to drink. There's no one like Jesus. There's no one like Jesus. There's no one like Jesus. There have been men and women boldly declaring that assertion with swords to their necks. And there will be many more. 
And yet, this water quenches the unquenchable thirst, and it always will. And it'll quench the thirst in you and spring forth to produce eternal life from you. And we as a church will be called by such an anointing as this. My question to you is, is what does that mean for you? If God is doing a new work in us to spring forth new life from us, what does that specifically mean to you? Individual, person, sitting in church seats, precious in God's eyes, not here by a mistake. You know, God is doing a new work in us and he's springing forth new workers to do things, to start, as we're going to talk about next week, new growth groups, new volunteers, new kids workers. I'm going to give us all a moment to respond and say, God, I want to do that at the end of our service. But right now, I, I real quick want to embarrass some people who've already, leading up until now, before this new work that God is unfolding, who've already served sacrificially. If you have cleaned our church building, this building that we're in right now, in the last year, I want you to stand to your feet right now. If you're not standing, you can have your hands clapping together. Stay on your feet if you've served in our kids' church. Back with my four babies and all of our others. You can, everyone stay standing on your feet. Thank you. Thank you, especially this summer. Stay on your feet, especially this summer. There's, not a, there, there's been one service, so you missed church in here entirely. Thank you. If you've served in any other way on Sunday mornings this year, uh, media, worship, any of those things, you can also stand to your feet. Don't be shy. Thank you. Volunteering. Thank you. Now all y'all can be seated. Thank you. We're going to have an invitation outside. We're going to have sign-ups for a security team, our hospitality team, our kids workers. Um, we're going to have media and worship. If you're interested in those things, don't be in a hurry to leave. I'm going to ask you to stay around and sign up. I want to ask the worship team to come back up. What we're going to do is, I want to pray. Um, and then we're going to have a, a special song. And then I'll dismiss. God is doing a new work in you to spring forth new life. And when Jesus himself was wrestling with Jacob, he said, what's your name? He wanted to reinforce how he's defining and leading him. And I think Jesus, through his Holy Spirit, right now is saying to you, what is your name, church? You, what, what is your name? What, is, what has God called you specifically to be? H have you been that? Have you done what he's called you to do? Have you been who he's called you to be? If you're like me, the answer is not always at best. But do you perceive that he's doing a new thing in your heart? There's new life springing forth. 
I want to pray for you, even as you're sitting. If you've never come to know Jesus and seen an actual supernatural new work on the inside of your heart, now is your moment. The Bible says this, he who calls on the name of the Lord Jesus will be saved. That's scandalously simple. He knows you. He sees you. He's the one calling you already. It's not me. If that's you, even while we're praying, just respond to the Lord and say, here I am, Jesus. Transform me. Will you pray with me? Bow your heads. If that's you, if he's saying, I want to make you new, I want to transform you, He knows who you are, and you know who you are. And I'm going to ask you to show me who you are so I can pray with you. If that's you, he said, I want to transform you and make you new. I just want you to raise your hand so I can pray for you. Thank you. Anyone else? Thank you, God. Lord, I pray that you would do a new work in these hearts. And Lord, I thank you. Long before I asked that or prayed that, you already were. And so, Lord, I celebrate what you're doing in new hearts. I pray that you would do something that they would tell their kids about and that they would sing about in the years to come. I thank you. I see it. I perceive it. I affirm it. The Lord says you are mine, no longer defined by anyone else or anything else. You're mine. And for everyone else in this room, Lord, I say thank you. There are new workers for your kingdom. The Lord has said to some of you, you are mine And nothing else can define you. And in Jesus' name, I silence the voice of the accuser. Many of you said, I want to speak up. I want to speak up for God, but but I struggle with this or that. And Jesus says right now, you know exactly who you are. Jesus is saying, maybe you have striven and struggled to speak up and to be bold and to represent me. But is it not I that I'm doing a new work? Is it not I that strive for you? Behold, it springs forth even now. I'm doing a new work in your heart. New anointing in Jesus' name. Lord, I'm praying for you to rise up the office of the evangelist from this place unto the nations. In Jesus' name, amen. Y'all, somewhat as a culmination Before we get into this last song, we have a special unveiling for you that will serve as a culmination to a lot of the things that God has already spoken today. And it'll also serve as probably one of the most important announcements that our church has ever given. So we're going to show you this, and then we're going to celebrate in song together after this video. Aquarina Springs the source of the oldest archaeological discoveries in North America. For centuries, it has brought benefit to thousands, though many have been largely unaware of the source of such benefit. After all, can anything good come from San Marcos? Well, more than human flesh can perceive. God says, Behold, I am doing a new thing. Now it springs forth. Do you not perceive it? I will make a way in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. As a church, what we must do is perceive what he's doing and join him 
if we're to truly bring his life to the lifeless. We were all once lifeless, formless beings until the living water of Jesus enveloped us with life and definition. Now, there are many formless ones awaiting what springs forth from us. What will never change is our most basic vision and foremost calling. We must continue to help people grow in being followers of Christ, family-focused, and fishers for men. Yet, to carry forth this growth, to spring forth new leaders and new places, to join Jesus in this new thing that He is doing to make a way in the wilderness, to accomplish our unchanging mission, one thing has changed. Christ Community Church is now the Springs. Same church, new name, more Jesus.